You're listening to the Digital Banter Podcast, the show where we tackle the challenges of B2B marketing head-on and aren't afraid to tell it like it is. Join us weekly as we talk to industry leaders, explore opportunities that impact the bottom line, and rev your company's marketing engine with actionable insights and tips. It's time to burn the old B2B playbook and build something that makes an impact. Here are your hosts, Andy and James. What's up, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Digital Banter. As we mentioned on our last episode, we are kicking off season two with a bang, and we're going to continue that thread through today's episode because we're excited to have two new guests join us, Mark Killens and Nick Bennett, co-founders of Tech GTM. Guys, welcome to the show. Great to be with you both. All right. So most people know you guys on LinkedIn or outside of that. Mark, going back to your Drift and HubSpot days, Nick, throughout your plethora of communities and involvement in so many different things. So let's get right into the meat of the conversation to kick this off. Why'd you guys start TAC? Mark, do you want to go first? Yeah, happy to. TAC is a few different things, and we can unpack that if, if, if we want to. But there's something bigger that's happening that made Nick and I want to start TAC. And that's this idea of how B2B go-to-market is now going through another evolution, just like it went through back in like 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And that evolution um, was really spurred based off of the advancements in um, the internet and then spurred on by advan- advancements in how people use the internet, and then the mobile commuting, computing platform that just cropped up around 2008, nine and beyond. And now for like 10 to 12 years, that's been going on. And a lot of those things that have that, that created an arbitrage opportunity for people and businesses have completely shrank. You know, you used to be able to, to rank number one or number two or number three in Google in like a day or two back in 2008, 2009. I personally did that. That was like easy stuff. Now it could take you months or years or you never get there. So a lot of things have changed when it comes to B2B go-to-markets. And we started uh, talking about those things that have changed and what is the ramifications for businesses. There's more pressure on a business and people out of business probably than ever before. Um, It's easier than ever to start a business. And that has created a dynamic where... If it's easy to start a business, then guess what? It must be much harder to grow a business because there's more businesses and there's more people. Um, so there's a lot at play that we can unpack, but fundamentally it was born, TAC was born out of changes that are happening to both businesses, but most importantly to people that are then creating downstream effects on how a business needs to actually design their go-to-market so that they can actually sign up the right people and, and create that relationship with them and, and make them happy and successful with whatever they, whatever they buy. Um, so it just comes back down to kind of first principles. Um, what are the things that are affecting people? And that has necessitated um, tack to be born. All right. So I feel like go to market is like the latest buzzword in the marketing world, especially in B2B, right? You had the blow up of demand gen with Chris Walker, what, two, three years ago, and then all the spin out of that. Um, and obviously, go-to-market in itself as a phrase, it has obvious meaning to it. But how would you guys define what actually go-to-market means and, and what it's about? Nick, if you want to take that one to start. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's pretty clear that we're at a major inflection point. B2B marketing and sales need a major makeover. I mean, I've been a B2B marketer at early stage tech companies now for the last 12 years. Mark, you know, spent time at HubSpot, Drift, AirMeet together. So brand spam is rampant. The quality of content has plummeted and nothing works the way that it used to. But there's a better way to grow. And we feel like why to be go to market must evolve and kind of, you know, all this buzzword. There's really five things. One, there's a content explosion. So the algorithm optimized content. Second one is channel saturation. There's more competition, lower ROI. The third one is cookie-less future, privacy and first-party data. You know, that's obviously, everyone's talking about that right now. Fourth is connection crisis. Obviously, we're all remote. There's been a huge shift to remote and hybrid work. I've always been, I've, I've actually been remote for about 10 years now. So I plan to never go back to an office, but I do like to see Mark and we live fairly close to each other. So that's always good. Um, and the fifth one is the convergence of AI, efficiency and automa- automation. And I mean, we were just both at Inbound recently. I feel like every major trade show and conference right now is talking about AI, how it's going to change the world and all these things. So when you take the old way, of a company first go to market. It's really brand spam, lead quantity, capture demand, transactional, and you're on your own. When you think about how to move to actually a new way and a better way, and honestly, a lot of companies have maybe been doing parts of this over their time. They just never called it a people first go to market, but it's meaningful interactions. It's all about the lead quality, not quantity. It's about creating demand. It's about relationships and it's about the partnership sector ecosystem. So I think to kind of summarize it all, a people first go to market, it's a business strategy that uses relationships and partnerships to really create, capture and convert demand into revenue. It's designed to put people at the center of everything throughout this. The people first thing, I, I mean, it's funny. So this is, you know, we're going to talk about us working together here in a little bit. Um, but, you know, as an agency, we've always, we've been saying people first for probably three, I don't know, three years now. And for us, for me, like the perspective of people first is more of a cultural thing than even a business thing. So like example being, I mean, we're paid media people in the paid media space everybody is so used to seeing ads from the same brands and like, just think of your LinkedIn feed as you scroll through, you're like, okay, that's an ad, that's an ad, that's an ad. And as a culture, like we're accustomed to that now. And to an extent, I feel like we see through the bullshit. Um, and one of the things that you know we always say now is like people buy from people and not brands. And I think the big transition that's taking place from a business perspective is it's not about like, it's not as much about like what the message is. And it's a little bit more now about who the message actually come fr- comes from. And that's the, I think as we like shift into this people first approach, you're going to have to, you're going to see a lot more things that you're seeing on the D to C side when it comes to like influencers, you're seeing more, um, you know, collaboration and partnerships because, I mean, the reality is like most B2B business is driven from referrals and not as much from marketing as we think. And it's more about like how we can actually create those meaningful connections that create referrals and pipeline down the road. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree. It's it's about going back to um, just what makes us human 
right? We we are very social creatures. We're we're tribal. Um, we have a lot of like DNA that's um, just pretty much imprinted that would take you know hundreds of thousands of years to change, if not like biologically, just maybe like you know not going to change anytime soon, right? So we we've lost sight of some of the things that make um, people people, and we optimized have optimized too much for the software, the channels the content, now the AI. Um, so it's still happening. Like, so we have to get, you know, it's still always going to happen. There's always going to be something else that we optimize for outside of people for some reason. And that's fundamentally flawed. And I learned this from both Brian Helligan and Darmesh and David Cancel, some of the most prolific entrepreneurs you'll ever learn from. And that's what made them have so many successful exits, turn HubSpot into a $20 billion valuation company. It's because they went back and thought about what are the things that are affecting people? So like, if you could take something away from this podcast, what are the things that are, what are the things that are affecting your buyers and customers that you could potentially influence or talk about or educate them about, or, you know, help with that, that might or might not be in your control, but are just fundamental truths. And the truth is to your point, James, people trust and pay a lot of attention to other people, especially the ones that they have respect for, that they resonate with, um, and, and you know, have, have earned the right to say like, yeah, you're, a, you're an authority and, and I am going to um, take what you have to say and, and really think through what that could mean for me. Um, and in B2B, you know, we know salespeople are, are motivated by, by what we all are made, motivated by which is money. Money is the most powerful drug in the world. So how do you, how do you flip the script on that? How do you, how do you incentivize people at your business to um, still be motivated by money, but still have a, or, or, or not still, but take a different approach. And that goes back to what you said, which is culture. So the first thing that we talk about when it comes to actually doing people first go to market. And as we build this kind of map out for companies is you have to first think about your team and your people. And what is your belief system? What do you believe? Why do you believe it? And how does it manifest itself across the entire business, the product, the go-to-market strategy, the culture, the team? Um, and most businesses don't take the time to do that, or they do it and they, they just forget about it and they don't go back to it. But that I can tell you for certain is what made HubSpot so great is because they are obsessed with the team, the culture, and they treat that as a product, if you will. Makes sense. I mean, it's it's kind of basic storytelling at the end of the day. You're trying to make your customer the hero of the story versus what I feel like a lot of B2B companies are like just telling you how you're going to save time and money with AI, right? Like saving time and money with AI, like cool, great. Like nobody's, you're making the business or the company that you work for more efficient and more successful. But, you know, in order to kind of pull at the heartstrings, you really have to speak directly to individuals and not, you know, it was it kind of goes, there's like this interview question that we always ask to like sell a pencil. Right. And it's the, what you don't want somebody to do in that process is go through and point out all of the features of the pencil. That's what a lot of business are doing. You're going to save time and money because our AI can do this, 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 and this versus actually explaining how that 
pencil is going to enrich somebody's life and how it's going to make their life easier and like what they're going to be able to achieve with it. And to me, like that's the difference between like company first and people first. Yeah. I was just going to add too. I mean, ultimately it also has to start at the top. Like you have to have either leadership or your executive team bought into empowering people both internally and externally, because that like, if it's not bought in from the top, it's never going to work. Just like, you know, any other program, ABM, field marketing, whatever. It's like, if you're running it from the bottom up, it's going to get to a certain point, but if you're championing it and empowering, that's the, that's the important word there. It's like, it starts to kind of chart its own course as well, which has to do with what TAC means. So, Yeah. And I mean, I, I posted about this a while ago, maybe like two months ago, but in my mind, it's that representation of a four-legged stool, right? You have each of the functioning departments as it relates to, in this case, go to market, but in the broader context, business success, sales, marketing, customer success, and product. But the the seat of the stool is leadership. And they're the ones that pull everybody together or let those legs just fall apart and create that imbalance that ultimately leads to success or failure. So I think that's that's a great point, Nick, that you bring and the up. the customer sits on the stool. Exactly. See? Add that to your drawing, Andy. <laughs> hey, it wasn't a drawing. It was a it was a visual representation. I, I'm not a good drawer. Let's let's not even go down that path. Um <laughs> Mark, you mentioned HubSpot as kind of a potential example in in practice of what a people-first GTM model looks like. Are there others that you guys have run across that are kind of exemplifications of of what you guys are preaching? Oh, there's tons. There's 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 examples in my local business in my local community. I, I have like I, I talked to Nick. Like the the thing that we need to do the most to teach people about people people first go to market is just connect dots. And the way you connect dots is through, to your point, James, stories. But then one of the most powerful ways to learn something is through an example. Examples are a fantastic teaching tool. Another tip for you, listen to the podcast. Get really good at using examples in your content and other forms of media as a way to help people remember something, understand something, but then master something. Mastery comes with, you have to teach it and do it. There's no way you're going to master something without just by just looking at examples. And even understanding something, you need to, to do it and teach it. But... Going back to examples and, and people first GTM, there are seven different growth strategies in the model. And you can go to tacgtm.com and, and take a look at the model. We have a free workbook and whatnot. But surrounding the six core strategies, three of which are channels and three of which are offers, we think of it in terms of partnership. So partner-led growth is what is the most important thing when it comes to people first go-to-market. So to all of our points around culture and people, the first thing you got to do is partner within your team. You got to create those bonds and those connections and those relationships within the thing that actually sparks the necessity for anything else to exist, which is why are we assembling a team? Like in this case, why did Nick and I come together? It's a two-person team to actually create something like TAC and evangelize a people-first movement and teach people about it. Um, And from there, you have to think about the partnerships internally and externally that can be created, um, fostered uh, the relationships that could be started to then help with each of the other six things. So once you think about this from a partner-led motion standpoint, it's then saying, all right, how do we build trust in the minds of our buyers and customers today? We believe it comes down to kind of three fundamental things, content, events, or products. So a content-led motion, an event-led motion, and a product-led motion. And they can be used, those offers can be used in 
any place in this this kind of three-part journey that we've set up when it comes to creating demand, capturing demand, and converting demand so that that demand that you now have created, captured, and converted in the form of a customer can be used to help you attract more of the customers that your business wants to have as customers. So it does create this word of mouth flywheel. That's one of the outcomes of the model, along with like a much, much more enduring brand, lovable brand, and a mini or large ecosystem around your brand. Those are really the three outcomes of it. But when you think about the channels, it's not the channels that you normally might think of, which is like your email, paid search, syndication, blah, blah, blah. It's no, like think about community as a channel. Think about members as a channel. Think about your customers as a a channel. And how do you create those those pieces of content, those events, those, those products, free or paid, to put into those channels using partnerships as the backbone of all of that, relationships as the backbone of all that, to actually get to the outcomes that we all want as, as you know, business leaders or owners or people out of business. So when you think about examples, you could go to your local community and look at this. I have an example, my fishmonger. I love this guy, Fred. It's like a block away from my house. Every so often, probably two or three times a quarter, he is getting local businesses together for a mini event. What is he doing? That's partner-led growth. That's event-led growth. And he's pulling together local businesses in the Newburyport community to do a event where they actually offer up different products and the businesses introduce their audience to another audience, right? And sometimes it's the same audience, sometimes not, but like, that's just a simple idea of like people first go to market in a physical, non-digital way. Then you have examples like Clavio or Clavio, I should say, who are just like ridiculously good at people first go to market. Basically their whole business is based off of partner-led, content-led and product-led growth models. And they've generated over half a billion dollars in revenue through this exact playbook. Um, so there's, there's, there's complete ends of the spectrum when it comes to how to do people first go to market. You can look at it from a hyper-localized way to a HubSpot, you know, Clavio, Salesforce way, Apple, right? It's a tremendous example of this. But that's the point we're trying to make here. Like you don't have to be a software company, a big business. Any business can use this model um, and, and it works. And, and you don't have to start with all parts of the model either. You just find the one or two things you're, you're good at that you feel are going to be the most resonating with your audience and do those before you try to maybe tackle anything else in the model. I feel like that last piece is the most important thing too, because how many times have all of us collectively come across an instance or a situation where the the organization we're working with is trying to go for perfection right out of the gate rather than just taking the baby steps to get to that point and just creating more roadblocks for themselves ultimately than than what is necessary to, to even to your point, Mark, right? Getting just moving in that direction. Yeah, I mean, nothing's, so. nothing's ever perfect. It can always be better. Perfectionism exists in the mind. That's pretty much the only place it exists, right? So I completely agree. And, and you got to start simple, like focus and, and do the things that you're innately good at and passionate about. Maybe you're really great at hosting events. Then use event-led and partner with people to put those events on and activate a community with those events and get your customers to come. We're right there. That's four out of the seven things in the model versus like, oh, well, I got to do this member led thing. Well, like, no, only do that once you have the resources and you've proven yourself out in these other ways to maybe tackle that. Right. So I think the other thing is like prioritization to a lot of people in go to market um, either don't prioritize or they unfortunately prioritize the wrong things. And, and that's the other thing that we're trying to help people do as well. It's like how to prioritize with this new mindset. All right. So. 
I'm going to throw this one to you, Mark, to start. And then Nick, I want your answer. But if you guys could ma- wave the magic wand and change one thing about B2B today, what would that be and why? Right? There's so many things that you guys are talking about wrapped in this model as an example. But like, what's the single thing, whether it's in the model or outside of that model, that you guys would, would change immediately? For me, it's, it's enabling and educating your internal team. And I can unpack that if you want, but that is the most fundamentally fundamental biggest issue that most businesses face today. And actually, I'm extremely bullish that AI is going to solve that in a big way. Well, now you have to unpack well, it. Well, I'll let you get your hands. Yeah, I mean, honestly, so I feel like, you know, 80% of B2B buyers have switched suppliers that are unable to meet their expectations. So obviously, there's a lot of pressure on businesses today. And something that bothers me that and Mark and I have talked about this before, but it's like transparent pricing on, on websites. Like, I can't tell you as a marketer who has bought tons of technology in my career, how infuriating it is to make me sit on three calls before I get pricing or seeing a demo. Like, it's just put the pricing on the website because one, I'm going to disqualify myself if I'm, if it's not a good fit because I, it just isn't in my budget, but it's going to allow me to shortlist who I actually want to talk to. And I'm figuring out that list from also talking to other people who are already using these types of technology. So like for me, it's transparent pricing. Like just, just make it simple on, on buyers today. Like that's one low hanging piece of fruit that B2B needs to fix. It's a people first thing as well, right? Because who are you thinking about? Your customers instead of yourself. All right, Mark. So how is AI going to solve the world's problems? No, I didn't say that. You know, you're, now you're, 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 don't do that, please. No, I'm just kidding. But so education is one of the, one of the things that really hasn't changed and been disrupted um, for a long time. I mean, I, I'm, I got into marketing through, through education. I, I, I basically think just marketing is education. Anything marketing and sales is just education. And, and if you do it right, you'll, um, you'll make a lot of money and the people you help by educating them to buy your product will make a lot of money too. Um, but if you look at like education at a five-year-old level or someone who's in graduate school, it really hasn't changed. And it's actually gotten worse probably through the, through the um, creation of standardized testing. Standardized testing is a very poor way to judge someone's knowledge, ability, et cetera, et cetera. I think AI is going to disrupt and get rid of standardized testing. And I think fundamentally for companies, it's really hard to, 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 to justify. I fought this battle a lot at, at many of my companies. Why would we spend more time educating our customers and employees when we could spend that money on an ad or on another salesperson? It's like short-term versus long-term thinking. So now if you could take AI and say, I'm going to apply a, a small or large language model and ingest all of the knowledge of the company into this model and use it as a way to train new employees, provide ongoing training for existing employees, customers, and personalize that to how they like to learn to some degree. And I, and I can debate with you all if you want to like, does, do learning st- styles exist? Do they not? I'm in the in between, but that is going to then radically change how someone learns people first go to market because now you can say, Hey, join and, and you can get a private tutor who's going to help you learn this 
in the ways in which you want to learn it and guide you along this journey. And then you also have access to a community of people who's going to help you reinforce it, go deeper, create that tribe around what you're trying to learn. And the AI is going to be able to grade things and pick up things so much faster with such better accuracy and specificity than a human ever would. So I am so excited about that when it comes to AI. And I fundamentally think, you know, if I were going to start a business in the next five, 10 years, um, five years, I think it's going to have to be something along those lines potentially um, because that's a greenfield opportunity in my, in my opinion, right? All of the sales enablement stuff, customer enablement stuff, it's all pretty much garbage out there today with a few exceptions. And AI is going to completely change this um, because of, of how it can learn, how it can be personalized and how fast it can compute things and deliver something up to someone that, that they can act on in real time. Wait, did I catch this right? Do you still believe that you would rather invest more in, I call it like reaching potential new customers than product education? Wait, say that one more time. I don't think I follow. I think you said early on that you like would basically rather spend, um, you know, spend money on ads than like educating customers. Is that still the That's case? What, no, people in the past would say, hey, why are we spending money on customer enablement or employee enablement? Like that's a small percentage of our budget. We're going to spend more money on like gotcha. things that drive new business in, right? Like just the, we're going to spend money on ads, on buying lists, on buying, you know, event attendee lists or going to events. So, okay. That's, you still have to do some of that. But like, if you take a people first approach, and we're going to talk a lot more about this over time, what's fundamental to people first approach is someone said it, but like empowering, enabling, equipping people with knowledge that they can pass on to other people. And if that knowledge is, re- is related to your brand or the product you, you offer, well, that's word of mouth marketing. That's word of mouth sales. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I would argue like that's the future. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I mean, to this day, the, the number one reason that people cancel software contracts is because they didn't use the product. And I mean, with your past role at HubSpot, I mean, you were education, education, education. That's what it was all about. And I, I, from looking outside in, have always thought that that is why HubSpot was so successful, minus their them getting an SEO really, really early. But like, people know how to use it. It's easy to use. Everybody liked the usability of it, shared what they liked about it, and HubSpot blew up. Well, yeah, you need you still need to have a great product. I think products still still will be important, right? If the product doesn't deliver and solve a problem and deliver on that value, gets better over time, you'll be in trouble. Product is going to matter. Education is going to matter to your point, and then community people. Like if you just think of those three things as the golden triangle, like the people, um, the education, and the product. That's where I would invest you know, the, the most of our money and time. That's what we're doing. Attack. We're educating people. You got Club PF. You can have a media network soon. Um, we have a people first approach. We're, we're cultivating a big community of people around this, right? And we're hopefully delivering a great product in a few different ways. So to me, that's pretty much business 101. And I think it's all of that wrapped into the similarities between our two companies from approach and strategy to the customer focus and, and caring that we talk about that. You know, really, we're really excited that James kind of blew it up before, but we're excited to announce officially that our two companies are partnering together and Nick and Mark are going to join Dragon360 as advisors. Um, and more to come out of that in, in a second. But just to, to touch on that for a, for a moment here, 
I mean, Nick, we see advisors obviously is becoming more prominent in the B2B world, especially SaaS. But to our knowledge, it's not really being done by other agencies, is it? I, Have you seen I've that? Actually, no, I've never seen it done by an agency. And like, I feel like the whole advisor thing, like there's a lot of B2B companies out there that are using advisors um, and basically just using it to amplify reach at the end of the day. They're not actually giving them anything. They're asking them to change their title on LinkedIn. And I've, I've been so tempted to write a LinkedIn post about this because I see it all the time. And like, I don't want to throw any companies under the bus, but I know at least six I could list off the top of my head that are using this strategy because they asked me to do it. And I said, you're I said it in a nice way, but I said, no, I think that's the dumbest strategy of all time. Um, but yeah, I've never seen it on the agency side, which is kind of different. Um, but it shows that you're forward thinking and it shows that you're innovative and trying to do different things to maximize everything that we can do together. I will give props where props are due to James for developing this idea months <laughs> back and, and starting the conversation <laughs> with you guys. So, Oh, for I me, would, it's I always... I was going to say, it's always been about, you mentioned partnerships, right? Partnerships and networking. Andy and I have been with Dragon for 10 and 15 years. Our network's the size of our network. And, you know, being able to take people who have been in in-house roles and be able to give us feedback on our content, our positioning, and actually have a you know, it's basically like being able to ask your customers without having them be customers at the same time. So, you, you know, you can always, you know, we have our regular feedback calls with all of our customers, but I feel like very rarely do we get an outside view from of us looking in from people who have not chosen to work with us directly. So that's what I'm most excited about. Well, there's a company first approach to advisory and it's a people first approach to advisory. There's literally a company first and a people first approach to almost anything you do in business, right? One's transactional, one's more about the relationship, right? Transactional is kind of what Nick, you were saying. It's just like, sign them up. I want you to do a couple of things. Uh, you get 500 stock options, probably never worth anything, whatever, right? That's pretty crappy versus, wait a minute. No, like we want to create a strategic partnership, which is what we've done here and really partner together to educate people and grow a community around something and do this together. It's always better when it's done together, um, except a few things in life, like maybe going to the bathroom. <laughs> like my, my point there is um, that's a mindset, right? So you have to ask yourself as you listen to this right now, how well do you apply these different mindsets, people first versus company first in your business and just reflect on that? Well said. And the other really cool thing that, I want to announce is an upcoming content show that we're putting together together called the people first playbook. So this together is going to be basically a live 30 minute show that we're going to be airing weekly starting in early October. We're basically going to take one marketer's campaign and we're going to build it out from scratch right then and there before everybody's eyes using a people first approach and strategy. I mean, Nick, you and I are going to kind of be the core hosts here. We're going to talk through everything from positioning and messaging to channel strategy and everything in between, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about this because as a marketer, like I can't tell you how often like, I mean, you only know what you know, right? And you're only like limited, like 
no one wants to ask some of these questions like, hey, can you help me with my campaign? Because you're going to come across as like, hey, you don't know what you're doing. But like, again, being a traditional field marketer, which is like what my background is, like there's like paid ads, for example, like I, I don't like I've done paid ads before. I'm no expert by any means, but like I would love something like this because obviously I know all these different components make up a strategy to to create a successful campaign, but I've never had anyone to turn to. And I know we've talked about this before, but it's like everyone turned to communities back in the, when the pandemic happened, communities became so saturated with so many people that your colleagues were also in these communities. So you no longer had a safe place to ask these questions. But we're hopeful that this show will give people an opportunity to not only ask these questions about their campaign, but also what I hope to get out of it personally is to see them then go execute these campaigns and have tons of success with it and hopefully get promoted from it at the end of the day, too. Exactly. And then on top of that, all of our listeners and viewers hopefully getting ideas for their own campaigns. So you have that flywheel effect of impacting so many others out there and getting that people first approach out in the world beyond just that single marketer that we're going to be talking about. Um, so, you know, we're going to be releasing more information about the show in the coming weeks, including ways that you can register to sign up for actually watching each episode as we, as we put it out there. But also if you're interested in sharing more details around a campaign that you've had in the back of your mind or you have upcoming that you would like us to, to consider for, for showcasing, There'll be ways in which you can do that very easily. And if you don't want to wait for any of that, feel free to DM Nick or I on LinkedIn and we'll get that conversation started. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked so. for this for this show. I am I'm stoked for all the reasons Nick said. Most importantly, this is an example of an example in action. We're gonna we're gonna be showing folks examples of a campaign we built live. And then how you can actually go and off and do it, right? Like, like what's better than that versus just theoretical talk? Like, oh yeah, you should do this with this, this, like, no, here's 10 examples over the course of 10 weeks that will help you create integrated revenue campaigns with a people first approach on a shoestring budget. I mean, it's, it's like freaking perfect in my opinion. <laughs> well said guys. So before we close out today, how can folks learn more about TAC? The website. Right. And then follow Nick and I on LinkedIn. Nick, you were going to say something? <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say say the website. Um, I also run the, the, the social media component of it. So I try to put out valuable stuff every single day. Um, but yeah, website, follow Mark and myself. And don't be afraid to, to reach out to us and ask questions. We don't bite. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. For those of you listening, like, subscribe, check out dragon360.com and also check out tacgtm.com. Until next time, catch you guys later. See you. Thanks for listening to the Digital Banter Podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. For more resources and to keep up with the show, visit dragon360.com. Until next time.